Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. You guys doing all right? If you're here for the first... Oh, hello, where did everybody come from? If you're here for the first time, you're really welcome. Um, It's a good day to be alive. Have you noticed that? Has anybody not noticed that? Just check your pulse. It's, It's good to see some new people here. Thank you for coming and joining with us. Uh, if you're here for the first time, you might have thought, what is going on this morning? Uh, what you're experiencing is what heaven sounds like a little bit. Uh, because in these last 21 days, as a church, that's not this congregation, but all four of our congregations, we've been really very passionate about pushing into a new experience with God. And over these last four Sundays... Uh, We've just been bringing some stuff around what God's heart is for you, uh, what God's heart is for us, and what God's heart is for the people outside. Uh, Because God has a vision for your life. Uh, Just turn to the person next to you and say, God's got a vision for your life. And the amazing thing about God is that he doesn't have to go to Specsavers to see it clearly. It's amazing. But God has a vision for your life. And uh, we looked at in in the first Sunday, which I think was the 6th of January, Our senior pastor, Clive, just shared his heart for how he sees 2019 looking and how God is opening up new levels for us to meet with him, hear from him, experience God's presence. How many of you have experienced God in a new way in these last few weeks? Just just wave a hand at me. Um, If your hand isn't up, please don't worry. We just want to make you jealous. No, sorry, hear my heart here. It's not, not to condemn you, but we want to just make you jealous. Because all I can say is there's a lot more to God than I'm experiencing. And there's a lot more to God than we've experienced, but God wants us to experience it. And what I've found is that what I'm jealous for is what I begin to look for. So there's a sense of, let's be jealous. The Bible says that God is jealous for you. He doesn't want you or me just to come through the mundane of life. Or just through the normal of life. How many of you know that normal is quite... Boring sometimes. I mean, even know that. Uh, and if you know God today, there may be, as a normal Christian, uh, when God does something uh, different, we think it's weird. But actually, to God, it's normal. Do you, do you understand that? So, in my experience, and certainly in my journey for the last 21 days, has been, you know, I love God, I've known God for a long time, and you know, I trust God has used me and continues to use me. But as I'm just with a passion saying, God, I just want more of you. I'm seeking your face, not your hands. I don't want you to do more. I want you to become more in my life. I don't even want to be used more by you. I just want to know you better. And as I've been doing that, and I'm sure others of you have been doing that, I'm finding that God does stuff, but also he, he just dangles a little carrot and says, actually, there's even more. Who was the comedian that said, there's more? Irish God. Who? Thank you, Andy. I thought you might know. (laughs) I'm not mentioning your age. You look as young as as a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) To me, you look as young as a teenager. (laughs) But... (laughs) But God is always saying to you and to me, whatever our journey is with God, is that there is more. 
And uh, the kind of the, the messages over these last few Sundays, and I've just really loved, I said to, to Clive, I'd really love to just kind of bring your word on these Sundays and just to kind of hopefully carry part of his heart, that's Pastor Clive's, and hopefully God's heart to the people. Because for me, I don't know what your experience has been like, but every day and even during the hours of the day for these last 21 days, I felt God do two particular things in my life. One is you're doing a brilliant job. It's great, but there's more. Do you understand that? Because I don't think God wants you or me to be complacent in staying where we are or complicit in staying where we are. He wants me to be jealous for more. And when God is doing more, in these last couple of Wednesdays, I know some of you couldn't make it, but quite a few did, but the last two encounter evenings that we've had here, God has just given a lot more. It's just been, God, how much more of you is there? And God said, well, just ask me and I'll show you. Just seek me and you'll find me. Just knock and it'll be open. So I encourage you that this is kind of the end of a 21 days season of prayer and fasting, but it's the beginning of living a fasted life. Amen. You understand that? So whether you're here for the first time, whether you've missed some Sundays, it doesn't matter, is that God wants to launch all of us in a 2019 with a fasted life, Amen. a fasted lifestyle, so that he becomes more and we become less. So I'm excited. Amen. So on a, one of the Sundays, I think the 13th, I kind of brought this message about we're in a season, we're in this time where God is making it really easy to be found by him. And I don't just mean that maybe you don't know God at all, or maybe you're, you know, your view on Christianity is, you know, it's, it's a boring building filled with even more boring people. It's not. Uh, I, I don't think I, I know what boring means anymore. Sometimes I get bored, but I usually do what Rory said, is just give thanks. I just give thanks. Because as soon as my eyes come off of my boredom and into the realm of future, suddenly something happens. I, this may be you, it may not be you, and please, if it is you, don't take it the wrong way. But I think sometimes we only get bored because we run out of what we can do. We only get bored because we run out of our abilities or capabilities or even our uh, alternatives. We get bored because we don't, we don't know what to do. Is that all right to say that? How many of you know God knows what to do? So God hasn't made you to be a bored person or to be a boring person. I get a praise the Lord and I get an aha. The aha is that's a response to a pop group, really famous. They're quite good. Praise the Lord, I like it. So God hasn't designed you to be boring. He's actually designed you to be a little bit out there. But I don't mean weird. I know a lot of weird people. Uh, yeah. We... I know a lot of weird people, and some of them are smaller than him, and some of them are bigger than him. But I've found that if we just say, God, just do something new and fresh in me, just that makes me weird. Because God wants us to be weird as we pursue him. He doesn't want us just to go through the motions of turning up on a Sunday, doing this, doing that. No, there's another level, and God says, no, the weird will find me. What I mean by that is that your mind is set on things above. And in life, it just makes us look weird. Why? Why, after multiple generations of wandering around in the desert, looking after meh and butts, sheep and goats, why is it that some bloke builds a boat? What's a boat? Don't know. How do you use a boat? No idea. But this guy, Noah, built a boat. He must have come across weird. 
Didn't he? But if you hadn't built a boat, we wouldn't be here. We'd have girls. And fish. Do you understand that? So sometimes things happen that are weird. But I think weird, if it's in God, is normal to God. So in this season of 21 days, don't just think, oh, you know, I've been praying and fasting. I think God has been doing more through what we've stopped doing that he doesn't want us to stop doing. He's actually been doing more in me by what I've stopped doing, and he doesn't want me to stop doing that. He wants me to build on that. Just times with God, a, a, a renewed passion in my heart, and I know in many of your hearts, I want to see other people know God like I know God. And I'm not saying that in a proud way. I just want other people to know, just experience the, the glory, the goodness, the fat part, the best part of God he's reserved for you and for me. Come on. All of his wonder, all of his beauty, all of his goodness, all of his favour, he wants you and I to experience it and go on experience it and then live out of that experience. So that we become like drips. We're dripping with the fullness of God. And every time we go around life, we're dripping off a bit of mercy there, a bit of goodness here, a bit of love there, a bit of power there. A bit of, is that there's just a dripping of God over our lives, not know other people. And what I love about this analogy, I'm just going to follow it a little bit, is when the world shakes us, what falls out of us is not us, it's God. Do you understand that? So this is the season that we're in, so we're fasting, maybe stuff that we've done, but we're fasting for God to do more. So then we had this, this message the other week about how we encounter God, how we just meet with God. God puts things into our hearts. There was something that um, Roy said in, in the uh, Thanksgiving about encouragement. And I just thought for a moment, how many people die of over-encouragement? <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm just, it's just the way my brain works. I'm just sitting there thinking... Psychologically and medically, there is some, some medically proven stuff out there that a lot of physical conditions start with a state of mind. It, it's true, I'm not just saying that. But then suddenly God said to me, yes, but nobody dies of over-encouragement. How many times have you been so encouraged that it's just like, I'm just going to die. Just stop encouraging me, I hate it. How many of you have been like that? Come on, just put your hands up because we've swapped places. How many of us have died because somebody's come up and said, you did a great job. I think you're brilliant because maybe part of what we need to fast is discouragement. Because certainly that's what I'm doing. I, I, man, sometimes I'm just giving my face a slap before my wife does, to be honest with you. <laughs> Because sometimes there's just, oops, sometimes, sometimes, sorry, I've got a month to restore it, hallelujah. Sometimes there's just things that come out of my mouth and I hear it and I think, what the heck was that? And I slap myself. Because Jesus says, no, his words are spirit and they're life. So maybe one of the things that we just need to make a decision to fast, and if this is you, then do it if it's not fine. If that's fast being discouraging. Because I've also experienced, I've heard it, and it kind of winds me up a little bit, is we tend to use a lot of words to discourage and only one to encourage. We can be really, really precise with, you were this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and where were you? Or we can say, thanks for coming. Can we swap that around 
so that we are using no words to discourage and loads to encourage. Does that make some sense to you? Because that's one of the things that God has really been challenging me with. And then last week, we were looking at this guy, David, who was the smallest of seven, who, hello. That's fine, she can escape. Most of them want to escape. She's the only one brave enough. Is that last week, we were looking at how God wants to move all of us. He wants to move you and me from this field of obscurity into a place of influence. And that's how God wants to be with you. If you've not heard the message before, I'm just going to nutshell it for you. It can feel sometimes like we're hidden, like we're just enclosed, like the whole world is just happening and we're looking into it and we're not being influenced by it. But if we just do the very simple thing, but powerful thing that Rory said, which is give thanks. Don't look at where you are, look at where you want to be. Don't look at what you have, look at what you know you can have. Because immediately thanksgiving will arise. Maybe your next step is you just need to give your life to Jesus. I have no idea. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next step is give more of your life to Jesus. Maybe your next step is even give more to it. Because what I've realised is, although I gave my life to Christ years ago, he wants to have all of it all of the time. He doesn't want to have a bit of it all of the time, or all of it a bit of the time. I've got that right. Okay, did I? Yes. He wants all of it all of the time. Because he wants me to be jealous, because he knows that when I do that, I have all of his life all of the time. So there's a word that um, we kind of be messing around with at leadership and just praying about it, and it's, it's an interesting word. For, for, for a lot of you, it's not a new word. It's probably a word that you've used before. Uh, maybe it's a word that you've heard before. But it's, today, we are in unprecedented days. And I, I did a bit of a dictionary search on that because I don't use that word unprecedented before, but I use some of these other ones. Unequaled, unparalleled, unmatched, unrivaled, extraordinary. You are an extraordinary person. Now, if you have a relationship with that person, you'll probably say, yes, don't, I know that already, hallelujah. But what I mean is extraordinary is God hasn't designed you or me to live in an ordinary kind of way. So our circumstances might be ordinary. We might think they're less than average, but God works you and me to live above the averages. The world outside the windows is doing the best to live the average. 2.1 of this and 3.0 and 30 hours of this a week. That's average, but God has you and me here to change the averages. Come on. He wants us to change the averages. So we're... We're abnormal is one of the words, which is where I get mine from. Singular, remarkable, unique, anomalous. Is that a word? It is now. Hallelujah. Atypical, untypical. Here's one for the younger generation. Freakish. (laughs) You see, we don't have to be freakish to be freakish. We just need to live sold out for Jesus. And when we're living sold out for Jesus... It looks freakish, but it's the kind of freak that somebody wants to follow because there's tremendous love there. Unknown, novel, original, groundbreaking, revolutionary, pioneering, rare and unexampled. I know a few people around here, you're pretty rare. You are. When I hear the conversations, and kind of the conversation isn't about, you know, this happened or that happened, or I've got this or I've got that. There's some of that. But the conversation is, God did this. 
I was praying the other day and God said that. Or I couldn't do this without God's help. So I, I'm hearing change and I'm seeing change. And I think God right now is watching over Worthing, Lansing, Isla White, <laughs> hallelujah, wherever it is you are, and he's listening to the sound of the unprecedented. In as much as, yeah, we're on a Sunday, we meet in this sixth form cottage, but man, we're here to change the world for Jesus. We're here to make a difference for God. We're here to see things happen that haven't happened before. You see, I, you know, I've come out of an environment, I've been in part of it for a long time, where there have been what, the, what books have been written about it. It's called revival. What is revival? Living in God's normal. Revival is not some kooky, creaky, funny thing that God has set aside for special people. No, revival is God's normal. It's his life lived in the fullest possible way. And I can prove it in the Bible. We're going to look at it in a minute. In Isaiah 35, which is kind of the, the older part of the Bible, God says this, the desert and the parched land will be glad. I love the will. See how many wills there are in here. I counted them up, but I won't tell you the answer. I'll just see if you're reading it. The desert and that land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmen and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord. The splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Did you get all the wills there? Do you know what the will represents? God's normal. It's his will. God's normal is that he wants to come and save you. God's normal is he wants our lives to blossom and to bloom. And even if the environment doesn't naturally produce that, his life in you is counter to that. Do you understand what I mean by that? It may be you're sitting there thinking, well, you don't know what my life's like. I don't, but I know what God's life is like. Or some of it. And all I know is, is whatever dry or barren ground or rocky thing or difficult this or difficult that, when we let God come out of our life in a new way, boom, a whole stream or a river begins to come out of it. Isaiah 35, same chapter a little bit further on, says this. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap, le leap, the lame leap like a deer. And the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. Will is still the normal of God. God wants to bubble up. He wants to spring up out of your life and out of my life. Not just so that we have like a spa day with Jesus. And there are times for that. The encounter evenings have been like a spa day. In my mind, it's been, there's been a bubbling up and there's been a refreshing and he's kind of changed us a little bit and he's come upon us. But it's not a, a spa so we can sit there and think, you know, can, can you put a bit of mud on my face? 
Or can you put some of those hot rocks on my bottom? Because that's not what it's about. It's a spa day so that we get refreshed and restored in who God is to take it out. Come on. So I, I have a conviction that there are a few things that are flowing now out of Worthing, this area, that weren't flowing in the same way before. There's a new river of healing. Now, this might be counter your personal experience. Park that for the moment and look above it. Because you never reach out for what you can have if you don't believe it's there. There's a new flow of rivers of salvation. Which is why Alpha is so important. Starts a week on Tuesday, I think. February the 5th. Uh, down at Starbucks. Starbucks are brilliant. We turned up in Starbucks. What, Matt, where's Annette over there? About a month ago, right? And we just turned up. Never met this bloke before. Said, hello, we'd like to do Alpha here. Have you heard of it? And he said, yes, I have. And yes, you can. Get in. Why? Because we expect there is favour in the land. But if you're not looking for it, you'll never find it. So now they're laying on Turkshire staff every Tuesday for us to go and see people find Jesus for the first time, including them. So I've started to pray for them, and I'm sure you have as well, because why not? Those who serve the Lord, the Lord serves them. Do I like their coffee? It's all right. I like ours, it's cheaper, hallelujah. Rivers of love are going to come out in a new way. Rivers of power are coming out in a new way. Rivers of life, rivers of grace and rivers of mercy are all, hello, mate, how are you? Did you lose your way this morning? Yeah, slightly. Okay, these guys come from the Horsham congregation, so it's nice to see you, yeah! So there's a whole load of rivers that I think God has released and unlocked in a fresh way over our lives, but more importantly, in our lives. Why do I know that's true? Well, we're going to look at a whole chunk of scripture in the New Testament. And some people, if you're theologically wound, some people might think, well, that shouldn't be in the Bible. Well, it's in mine. All right. It's Mark 16. It's going to come up on the board. uh, So you can have a look at it. And... um, we're just going to read some scriptures, then just comment on them, because it's 5 to 11, and God wants to move. So I need to move on. When Jesus rose early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. And these are spiritual forces, dynamics, that just make people do what they wouldn't do otherwise. Uh, lie, cheat, steal, be angry, all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff, which are not about the life of Mary, but what influenced the life of Mary. Stuff is out there that wants to steal, kill and destroy life. It's not some science fiction thing, it's a fact. However, when you give your life to Jesus, or come to Jesus, he deals with all of those things. Which is why we got the cross up this morning. And it's behind me. Because as a Christian, we always live with the cross behind me. Before we know God, the cross is always ahead of me. Because actually that's where life was exchanged. But that's not for this morning. This lady Mary had already received such freedom from Jesus. She went out and told those who'd been with him and who were mourning and weeping. So she saw Jesus. He, he, he wasn't dead. He was alive and he was wandering around and he was breathing. It was like, wow, this is amazing. But the rest of his followers, they were somewhere grieving for loss. Are you with me here? So you have two different situations. One... As a woman full of joy, Jesus is really alive and I've seen him. But not only have I seen him, but I've experienced him another way. She had a great breakthrough in her life and then suddenly she had another one. She saw Jesus. But some of the other guys, they were a bit upset. 
When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Why? Because they hadn't expected to see Jesus. They believed what they were experiencing. Loss. And then suddenly Mary comes in, having seen Jesus, experienced Jesus, heard from Jesus, heard from Jesus, which is a key, and she came in in a different place. Now, they were all mates, they were all followers, but suddenly Mary had seen Jesus in a different way than the others had. And that's what encounters are about. We're all following Jesus, or maybe we just want to follow Jesus. And when Jesus appears, we all see him differently. It's like when we were here the other day, like 35, 40 people in the room, I met with Jesus as if I was the only one in the room with Jesus. Do you understand that? I know he was in the room with everybody, because I kind of looked up and everybody was meeting with Jesus all different ways. But Jesus wants to meet with you in such a powerful way, such a significant way that you know it's him. Even now, even sat in a crowd, even sat in a room, Jesus wants you to see him in such a personal, significant way that you will be left with no doubt that was Jesus. However, you might then have a conversation with other people that kind of know God and follow God and they might think, what are you talking about? Because that happens to me all the time. It happens to me when I'm talking to myself half the time. It's like, what? You understand, you understand what I'm saying here? So, wherever you are on your journey with Jesus, talk to somebody else about it. Because you will encourage them. <laughs> Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. That was probably the road to Damascus, where these two followers of Jesus... They were chatting about, you know, Jesus was great, but, you know, he got crucified and he died. And then suddenly Jesus starts to walk their journey with them. And they didn't realise who it was. You, you might not know that, so it's fine. Jesus walks along and there's three of them walking on a journey. And Jesus explaining not just what happened, but why it happened. And I had no idea and suddenly he disappeared. And then... It, Probably the rest of the day, or the next day I think it was, they were upstairs sharing this story and Jesus walked through a wall. That's pretty odd. <laughs> Even Iron Man can't do that. He has to kind of break the door down. He just walked through, he just, boom, here I am, hello. And then suddenly they realised that's why our hearts were stirred so much. That's why we were just so challenged. It wasn't just a third person on a journey. This was Jesus joining us on a journey. So for some of us, maybe, we've realised in a fresh way that although our journey might be up, it might be down, it might be level, it might feel like we're pushing concrete uphill in a wheelbarrow sometimes, is that Jesus will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And if we take our focus off the wheelbarrow and put the focus on actually the one that is carrying us while we're pushing the wheelbarrow, suddenly you get up the hill a lot quicker. It doesn't remove the hill. Come on, it levels it. And what I mean by that is that he does it for us. So these guys, these returned and reported it to the rest, but they didn't believe them either. So now you have a woman, you have a woman that's experienced God. She's experienced God in different levels now. First she followed him and then she got set free from all kinds of stuff that was trying to steal life from her. Then she saw him, then she heard from him. Then we have two disciples, exactly the same thing happened. They followed Jesus around while he was alive. They saw what happened, they heard what happened. Then suddenly they encountered Jesus the other side of the cross. And something happened in their life. 
they, they thought, well, this is Jesus and he's alive. But there was still a group of people, it says, but they didn't believe either. How, how many of you know that sometimes God has to tell us the same thing a hundred times? <laughs> At least. How, how many of you... Is, no, we won't do that. <laughs> you put your hand up really quickly then. How many of you know that God loves you so much? He has so much for you that he will refuse to let us stay deaf. How many of you know that God's love for you is so profound, so great, so powerful that he will never let silence stop you hearing him? Or he'll never let noise stop you hearing him either. Because life has a noise. But in that, Jesus is determined. His will is determined so that you will hear his voice, whether you know God or not. It's just when we don't know God, we don't know it's God's voice. That's all. (coughs) Just reading on in the scripture. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. They were just doing the things of life. It's not a cricket team now. It's not that 11. It's just the 11 that were left. All right, we're not very good at cricket at the moment, unless you're West Indian. Viv, we love you. We're bowled out by your loveliness. That was quite good. Some of you looked a bit stumped on that one, but let's keep going. This could be happening to me shortly. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him do what he doing after he'd risen. You see, sometimes when we encounter Jesus, he just gives us a shake and, say, and says, stop doubting. Just believe. But don't believe in you. Believe in me. Not me, him. Sometimes Jesus, when we meet with God, maybe on a Sunday, maybe at an encounter, maybe at a prayer meeting, Jesus will come up and say, don't, don't just believe in what you can do. Don't just believe in what you have. But believe in me. Is this this kind of going in somewhere? Don't just believe in what you tried and failed at. Or even believe in what you tried and succeeded at. Because both of them, both of them, if we don't deal with them properly, can help us believe in me rather than Jesus. He said to them this. So he gave them a bit of a challenge. He said, just believe in Jesus. Just believe in me. You don't have to believe me to do anything. Just believe in who I am. Then he said this. Go! I like go because it's two-thirds of God. (laughs) And you find the last third when you do it. Ah! I love go into all the world. Go and make disciples. Because it's two-thirds of God. But you find the last bit when you do it. Because another reason why we need to encounter the Lord is it's not just go to an encounter evening. It's go after the encounter evening. Have you, have you got that? And this is what these guys had to learn, is that Jesus didn't come to give us events and events in abundance. Jesus didn't come to give us fasting and fasting in abundance. Woo-hoo! Jesus came that we would have life. A life in all its fullness. Hallelujah. Jesus didn't come so that we would have abundant meetings. (laughs) 
He came so we'd just have one. And it changes our life forever and it lasts forever. Come on. This is Jesus. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all. Say all creation. What does that mean? It means that we only find God out there when we go out there. We can experience God here. I do. Hopefully you are. I can hear from God. Great. But sometimes it's just to challenge me to go out and find God out there. God is out there. I don't just mean he's out there. He's out there. He wants to do extraordinary things out there. He wants to do miracles out there. The first miracle I have to come through was God can do it out there. It's a miracle of my own heart. Sorry, it's a bit shouty. Aiden's, Aiden likes it. It's a beard. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. What does that mean? It means that there's movement. There's momentum. And when we go out with a view, okay, Jesus, what do you want to do in creation today? Rather than where are you today? What do you want to do today? In the workplace. What do you want to do today in my school? What do you want to do today in my marriage? What do you want to do on my journey? Because he will always want to do something. And his something is normal. But sometimes our something is not normal. His something is always normal. Go and talk with that person. Go and pray with that person. Just go and give that one something. Just, just rub shoulders with that one. Just refuse to go down the channel of discouragement. Just refuse to join in the, the, the language of foul. And isn't it weird... Maybe not. That when we're... Did I say this to you the other day? I can't remember. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Well, sometimes when we go down this journey, and maybe we're feeling as if, you know, Jesus isn't listening, sometimes our language is a little bit more earthy. But here's a question. How many of you know what a hammer and a nail is? How many of you have been banging a, a nail and you've hit the wrong nail? What have you said? I bet it is not, oh Buddha. I bet it's not, oh Mohammed. Probably Jesus Christ. Why? Because his name is above every other name, that's why. And I've heard it and I've done it. Our language, every, la- every word that we speak, man, we want, we want someone to get changed. We want to change environment. We want to change someone's life. Go into all the world and preach to all creation means there's nobody outside of there that you can't communicate with something about the love and the presence of Jesus. And, I, and I've said this hundreds of times before. We don't know anybody that doesn't need to know God. We just don't. So here we have the Old Testament, streams in a desert, rivers are flowing. Now we see what does it look like. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Interesting. Saved from what? Saved from themselves. Safe from normality, safe from having an eternal relationship in a place where I'm not going. Come on. Safe from the one that wants to kill sin. If you believe and are baptised, interesting, we've got another baptism service coming up in March. If you haven't been baptised as an adult, get in there. But you'll hear more about that next month. Go into all the world and preach. Whoever uh, believes and is baptised will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This is a tricky one. To get a head round it, because how many of you know what it feels like to be condemned? Come on. How many of you know what it feels like? 
But you see, this is, this is the funny thing. Without Jesus, it can feel like we're condemned, but there's always a way out. Because Jesus is the way. Was that pizza coming? In the world, when we're born without Christ, we are already condemned. The Bible's really clear on that. Everybody that's born is already condemned. Yeah? When you give your life to Jesus, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the only way to live free from condemnation is give your life to Jesus. Because I know what it feels like, and it's horrible. It's like all this stuff, and there's no way out, and you're fighting, and you're hitting your head against the wall. You hit. It's condemnation, a sense of guilt, shame, and there's no answer. Give your life to Christ, because he is your answer. Because he said of himself, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and in me there is now no condemnation. Implication being, without him there is. And it's true. That's not my, I didn't make that up, it's in the Bible. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Now, this is interesting. The band earlier, I thought it was quite good. Worship time, did you? Yeah. I thought it was quite good because they were only accompanying me. They weren't doing it for me. They weren't singing my song. I was singing my song. They just provided a few notes. They weren't giving me a smiley face. I was a smiley face and they were accompanying my smiley face. So we've got to work out the difference between substitution and accompanying. Jesus accompanies us. But we still have to go. We can pray fast, push it to God. We can do whatever we want to do. But unless we go, we're always going to be a step behind where Jesus is. But he does say, I will accompany those who believe. Why do you think he challenged their lack of belief at the beginning? Because he wants to go and he wants them to come with him. But he doesn't want us to go without knowing Jesus is with me. And it might feel really difficult, really challenging sometimes. But Jesus will always come and rescue me. And these signs will accompany those who believe. And this is in the Bible. So this is what I'm looking for now. Now I know some of us might be saying, yeah, I believe in that, I believe in that, I believe in that. But I want to experience it. This isn't for me, it isn't a I believe in it issue. It's I need to go in that belief and see it issue. And that's where I believe we are right now. In my name, so not in my name, not in the name of your name, not in the name of your parents' name, not in the name of your grandparents' name, or your great-grandparents' name, not in the name of the church even, or the denomination. No, in Jesus' name, in his accompanying, if that's such a word, in his ability, in his relationship, he will do these things. In my name, they will drive out demons. What are demons? Things that just don't like people. You don't have to freak out about them. I know some people that see a demon under any bush. Well, go under the bush and join them. Hallelujah. Or just sort them out. Cut the bush out. Because actually, when you're a Christian, you have authority, the Bible says, to sort out demons. Not be worried by them or scared by them or even go chasing them. In fact... If you really want to chase demonic stuff, chase God. Because the Bible says as we pursue God, we overtake our enemies. Or let God arise. It says in Psalms, let God arise. And then our enemies are scattered. Does that make some sense? So if you've got enemies around, sing about them. Praise God over them. Hallelujah. See what happens. My name on the drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues. What's all that about? Well, it's not the old tongue, it's a new one. 
Whatever language we speak as normal, God gives us another one, which isn't normal. In fact, he can give us multiple ones that are not normal. They're not from our natural self. They're out of our relationship with Jesus. Why? So that we can talk to God. Why? So we can understand in part what God is saying. Why? So that we can release in part what God is saying. Why? So that we can change our subnormal into God's normal. That's why we need to speak in different languages. Because our languages are limited, and they're limited by us. So God gives us new languages. I'll just pause there, because I know there's a whole load of, what is that for today? Yes, it is. In the same way as knowledge is. Otherwise, we're all just idiots. Come on. They will pick up snakes with their hands. Now, I, I know a church in America that this, this is what they do. I've seen it. It's a bit weird. So to be part of that church out there, there's a whole box of black mambas, cobras, uh, all kinds of things. It's not your grass snakes. And if you're going to be a member of that church, you've got to go and pick one up. It's true. I, I don't really think that's exactly what it means. You can try it, but try it on your own. <laughs> and make sure that your life insurance is well up to date. What I think this means more, figuratively... Is it in? Hey, Lawrence, bless you, mate. Is it? He's probably sending me to shut up. <laughs> they will pick up snakes with their hands. Sometimes in life, we just pick up stuff and it's just not great. Sometimes it's a bit smelly, it's a bit stinky. Sometimes it's just not very nice. Don't freak out about it. Bring your hands back to God and say, cleanse me again. Sometimes we have to touch areas of life. But God isn't involved in them at all. I mean, I can remember for years, years and years and years and years, I had the privilege of going into prison ministry. Let me tell you, you can guarantee one thing about prisons. They've got loads and loads of people in there that have broken the law. But they all say they haven't. It wasn't me. All right, that's just part of the language. But when you go in there, you don't expect people to be like Mary Poppins. Because they're not. They're just dealing with stuff. And the stuff that you would hear and touch and you're praying for people and they're spitting on you and they're shouting at you and they're throwing stuff and they're, they're giving every kind of language that they can, both spoken and through hand movements. And you're in there and you're knowing, Jesus, there's snakes in the room, but I ain't shutting up. Because sometimes you've just got to pick them up and deal with them. Sometimes you've just got to touch them because if you don't touch a snake, it'll never change. Come on. Because snakes actually are pretty scared creatures most of the time, unless you mess them about. They'll drink deadly poison. Again, I know some people that have tried this. They drink tea. <laughs> or peppermint tea. Or something. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It, what? Is that you? What it means by this is sometimes we just take into our life stuff, which probably isn't great. But the wonderful thing about Jesus is if you had a barrel load, and I know we don't now because it's all in plastic bags, but if you had a barrel load of apples and they were all rotten apples or rotting apples, in, in the natural realm, if you put a good apple in it, like one of you, what would you expect to happen to that apple? It goes rotten. But if you know Christ, you change the barrel of rotten, to good. 
come on, because in one sense, please, in one sense, there's a sense of the whole world out there is, is rotting. Because without Jesus, it's going to. But man, I'm not there to go and be rotten like the world's rotten, and neither are you. I'm out there to change it for the glory of God. That's what Jesus is saying. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people and they will get well. But why? Let's just go back to the Old Testament just for a moment. This is why this happens. Isaiah 49 says this, Can plunder be taken from a warrior or captives be rescued from the fierce? In one level, no. Because a warrior wins and the fierce are scary. But this is what the Lord says. Yes, captives will be taken from warriors and plunder retrieved from the fierce. Why? Because I will contend with those who contend with you. You see, the battle in the world is not ours, it's the Lord's. And it's not a battle between is Jesus good or isn't he good? He is more than good. He's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. What Jesus is saying here is, get out into the world and show them just how great I am. Show them just how great a victory the cross had for them. Show everybody, whether they're oppressed mentally, physically, spiritually, psychologically, that there is an answer in Jesus. It said, after the Lord had spoken to them, back into Mark, he was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Very similar, we find another bit of the Bible in Acts 1. It says this, after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid from, from, from their sight. They looked intently up into the sky. Where's Jesus gone? He's up there somewhere. Where is he? Where is he? Where do you think he is? What do you think he's doing? Is he standing up, sitting down? Is he Whole loads of conversations going on at ground level. And then Jesus sent an angel to give us a nudge. Men, women of Galilee, why are you looking at the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. What does that mean? I think sometimes when we're Christians and sometimes we have a brilliant encounter, maybe we get healed, maybe we just find a new freedom, all this stuff that Jesus does, we can sometimes be just stuck to the ground of our journey saying, Wow, Jesus, you're amazing, you're brilliant. But Jesus isn't up there now, he's gone over there. We can get caught up in a moment. You know, that latest preach and that latest video and, you know, this, this and this. It's brilliant, it's awesome. It's always gone up to God. Hopefully it's come down from God first, and I'm sure it has. But then suddenly Jesus will say, well, hang on a minute. There's no issues up there. Up there is done. It's sorted. Up there is fine. Don't just look up there intently. It's like, oh, Jesus, I wonder if you're singing this song because you know, I don't like it. I wonder, if, I wonder if it's too loud. or too. We can look too far up intently rather than being the intent of God into the earth. No, what this is saying is, come on, look intently out in the world that we live in, but keep a heaven view on it. If it doesn't look like heaven, begin to see it change. If it doesn't sound like heaven, begin to bring a change. Because we can all get caught up in stuff. You know, that was great, this is right. Man, we had a fantastic encounter on Wednesday, but that was days ago. I'm not looking up now saying, oh God, I need another encounter. I'm saying, God, I need another encounter. And it's out there. It's on Monday morning. It's on Tuesday morning. It's on Wednesday morning. Do you understand that? So let's not get robbed because we've had a great spiritual experience, or maybe we haven't. 
Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Because then it says, the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. You see, there are signs that accompany those who believe in Jesus, all these things that Jesus said. But if you take a step back from it, the church, you are a sign. You, you, God does things in our lives that are a sign. But when we step out, we're a sign. Jesus is real. He's alive. I love him. He loves me. I've got a relationship with him. You can have a relationship with him. I used to be like this, 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 and this. But Jesus has changed me to be like this, 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 and this. We become a sign. And then when people begin to listen or look or ask questions, what do you use a sign for? Get direction. And direction usually works in two ways. You either know you're on the right route and you keep going, or you know you're on the wrong route and you've got to change. That makes sense, doesn't it? So we are a sign. What does it mean? It means we've got to get out of our comfort zone of plenty and go into the desert and into the parched land. But we're rivers. You're a river. You're a river of salvation and healing and all this kinds of stuff. Is is this making some sense to anybody? You look as if you're almost asleep. So I'm about to get you to stand up, if you can stand up. Just stand up. There you go. That's the first move. As a Christian, I believe it's essential that we learn how to sit. We sit to receive, we sit to be with God, we sit for God to maybe speak to us, but then it comes to a point where we have to stand up. And standing up is, now I'm ready for the next thing. And then there's other times when we walk, where we run, where we skip, that that I'm looking forward to where we just encountered Jesus so much that it's like we've been in winter carving for four months and then suddenly the farmer opens the door and there's a green field over there. It's like, boom! We're all running. Because that's what it means. It's like a calf that's been let loose. Just close your eyes a minute, it all goes dark. It's fine. We're not scared of the dark. And I've got a... I've used these a few times. Um, This is not to try and manipulate you in any way. I'll just say that now. I've just written some, uh, like a decree, which come from the Bible, which I'm going to invite us to speak over our lives. Is that all right? Now, if, if you can't say it, it's fine. Just talk to Jesus anyway. If, but, but I think we, these are all pretty good. I've gone through them twice. I've just changed a couple of words because it's like, mm, well, that makes sense. So I'm just going to repeat, say something, and you can re- re- repeat it together. Is that all right? Yes. Sure? You ready? Yes. I am blessed, I am blessed. <laughs> because God has blessed me. I'm blessed in my relationship with God. I'm blessed with a relationship with Jesus. Now, you may not have a relationship with Jesus at this moment, but you can. If you haven't got a relationship with Jesus, please come and talk to me after this, and I'd like to talk to you more about that, okay? Next line. I'm blessed with a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And again, you may not have a personal relationship with the power of the Holy Spirit. And God wants you to have. So maybe for you, that's your next step. Please again, come and see me afterwards. The next line. I'm blessed in my relationship with others. I'm blessed in my relationship with others. Now again, you might not feel very blessed. You might just have to maybe just release some forgiveness. I have no idea. 
Forgiveness is a funny thing. Forgiveness sets you free, not them. <laughs> forgiveness is like, or unforgiveness is like, I drink poison, expect you to die. No, no, just release forgiveness. You ready for the next one? To see his kingdom flow through my life. Because I have the Holy Spirit, I am full of his life. And I am full of his power. Today, I choose to live out of this life and out of this power. Salvation and miracles and the works of God will follow me. As I follow Jesus... Goodness and mercy will follow me. Because I lack no spiritual thing in Christ. God, use my life to bring sight to the blind, hearing for the deaf, release for the captive, and freedom for the bound. For your glory, for your honour, and for your praise to bless your people and to extend your kingdom in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's give him some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.